about to go on this ride and experience the third installment of the Chief Yuya podcast. In this session, we're going to be dealing with uh, the unknown allies and contracts that we often make in our in our lives that lead us down roads that we had no idea that we were pointed and directed towards. We're going to speak about the idea of the veil or, or the idea of women you know, in society, in society who wear themselves covered, and or men who even wear crowns, and and how that's significant to uh, who we are, even if we're we're not a part of those religious structures, but how the idea of that actually is significant to who we are and who we're becoming as a people and what we're evolving into. All right, so we're gonna get ready to get into this topic, and it's gonna be a good one. Promise you that. All right, you listen to the Chief Yuya podcast. Here we go. Okay, so let's start here. I wanted to kind of build for a moment, uh, you know, take it step by step. As so many of you know that I enjoy, I enjoy doing, you know, taking it step by step. So I wanted to talk about paradigms, okay, and the power of a paradigm. Now, of course, a paradigm is basically, you know, the structures that we put ourselves inside of or the, or the structures that already exist paradigms are almost like um, a skeletal framework you know of a building if you will and your paradigm or uh, your outlook which is really basically what your paradigm is it will determine the way you see things the way you look at the world the way you perceive the world the way you process the world is dependent of course on your paradigm so your paradigm is almost like your set of rules that you uh, utilize, you know, as a person in the world, it's a set of rules that you utilize in order to process or it's a perceptual framework that you look at the world through in order to see things. So a paradigm can represent a pattern of doing things or a model of doing things or an example of doing things or even um, an exchange of language or a set of tones and, and language that create certain roles within the conversation or create certain roles within society you know this this would be a paradigm okay so we all will model ourselves based off of what we see for instance if you see someone every day who gets up washes up has breakfast reads a newspaper and then goes out the door then that becomes a pattern and that pattern then creates a paradigm for awakening for you how is it that i'm supposed to get up how is it that i'm supposed to wake up how do i perceive the new day how do i perceive the doing okay so that creates a paradigm around even just getting up so it's it becomes a set of um practices or a set of forms that we use or or a set of examples in order to model certain patterns or even a framework a lot of times based on how we were how things are implied to us a framework of thinking or like i said a perceptual frame work of thinking based on how things are implied to us or things that we just accept as a part of a community we just accept things so it becomes the paradigms for instance we're told that this thing there's a thing called god and god loves us so it becomes a, a basic assumption that that is the truth and then that creates a certain paradigm as to how we perceive God. 
Okay, and eventually it becomes a, a cognitive framework because then we create disciplines and we create thinking and we, we create reasonings behind this accepted or implied paradigm that there is a God and God loves us. So for some of us who are seeking deeper, deeper ways or, or different ways of looking at things, uh, we get into this place where we might see that, OK, we have certain behaviors that we no longer desire to have, you know, we're not necessarily interested in that in having. And we start to understand that our attitudes and our thought processes begin to shape our behavior. So we look to shift the paradigm or shift the thinking that we currently have or shift the perceptual framework that we're currently working through in order to shift our behaviors, in order to shift our patterns. OK, and there's people who go through all kinds of processes just to shift their patterns from, you know, initiations to different kind of boot camps to ways of transforming the, themselves physically, water fast, you know, um, like I said, physical boot camps, they get physical trainers, they get therapy, um, they may take even drugs, you know, to try to calm themselves down so that they can think or they think that they're thinking more clearly. Um, they may even take antidepressants and you know, all these different things, you know, standing in front of a mirror saying, I love myself, you're beautiful, this, that, 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 and the third. But the reality is before any behavior can change, what has to first change is how the world is perceived. And not only how the world is perceived, how you perceive yourself. When you change your self-perception, then you change your perceptual framework outward of how you're seeing the world. You know, and it's it's a common thing. Unfortunately, a lot of times when I'm working with different clients and things like that, and I'll explain things to them and they want to rush through it quickly and they'll say, oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. And you can tell that there's been no shift in their perceptual framework. And because they're so wrapped up in the ball or in the small cocoon, the small bubble of how they perceive the world, which they which they begin to really believe is is the most paramount way that the world can be perceived the way they're seeing it they think they have such a unique amazing perspective that no one else could understand that when you say you know what i understand what you're saying but listen to something more they just oh no no no, no there's nothing more but they may not say it like that but they'll say okay i get it, i get it I get, I get what you're saying but they don't because when you begin to have a perceptual framework that changes and there's a shift in your perceptual paradigm. There's a shift in your your internal mental patterns. There's a shift in your internal attitude. What happens is that there's a there's a greater sense of freedom that comes because now you're not fighting against the current of life. You're flowing with the current of life because you're you're shifting as long as you're shifting your paradigm and you're shifting it in a way where you're taking on a perceptual framework of yourself and of the world that's an original one, not one that's that's implied, not one that's assumed towards you. But as long as you're doing something like that and you have that experience where you what, what we call the, the the epiphany, you know, then what happens is that you start to see an easiness in the person's energy. Now, we're, you know, we're talking about energy stuff. I don't want to get too 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 spooky on, you, you know, but most people can feel vibes they can feel energies and sometimes we we perceive that as anger in a person we say oh this is an angry person and 
I'm trying to talk to them about this and that, and they're always so angry, they always fight. And of course, you can see, especially over the years as people get older, you can see the anger on their face. You can see it. You know, you don't even have to be able to read auras and to read vibes to see someone who's been, you know, grimacing the majority of their lives, you know. And they may tell you something different. No, I'm happy, you know, I'm fine, but of course we can feel energy. And this is a person nine times out of 10, I'd say 9.5 times out of 10, who has accepted a paradigm, who has accepted an undesired way of being, undesired habits, right? And habits again come from habdashery and habdashery are your clothing. So imagine every day, every day putting on clothing that you just did not desire, you did not enjoy wearing. So what would your self-perception be if you had to say, OK, I got to go to an interview or, or I'm supposed to go on a date tonight or I want to go and approach this person to meet them and talk to them. But I'm wearing something I absolutely hate. So would you approach? Would you go for the new job? Would you be excited about the new day? So forth and so on. No, because you're wearing habdashery, you're wearing garments, you're wearing habits, you're wearing behavior that you despise. So an essential step to transforming yourself is, again, transforming the way you see things, whether you now come into a place where you can you can be a bit more accepting or you can be a bit more loving and do it authentically, not based on what you believe someone implies it's supposed to look like. See, that's the big thing, because a lot of times when people talk about they want to shift their paradigms and they want to shift their thinking. They're basing it on what someone says they're supposed to feel. So, you know, and I get this all the time. I'll start talking and a person will cut and say, OK, well, you probably want me to meditate or something like that. And I'll say, I've never said anything about that. Or, or you just want me to like just just, you know, release all the troubles of the world and just kind of go into my higher self. I didn't say that either. So you already have these pre-programmed notions. That's the paradigm of what your evolution even looks like. And with those pre-programmed notions, you keep yourself locked up into those circles of bondage and again, undesired habits, behaviors and attitudes. So the key is when you have that aha moment or you have that epiphany moment, it's an original spark. It's a spark that comes down from a from a different creative authority. It's not coming from the ground up. It's coming from the sky down. And, and once you get that epiphany, you start building your paradigm around that. And often again, it's just a shift in the way you're looking at things. And it, it, it's not going to be your ultimate arrival. You know, you may be driving in a car and the car in front of you is, is just moving so slow and you're so angry and you're honking your horn, honking your horn. And then you finally get around and you pull up and you see it's someone in their car having a heart attack. You know, so what happens in that moment? Your paradigm shifts, your thinking shifts, so therefore your behavior and attitude will shift. So sometimes it, it takes moments of, of, of humiliation in that sense for that shift to occur. All right, we're going to do some housekeeping and I'll be right back. Okay, I just wanted to let all of you know that we're getting ready to get started on our next Red Wrap experience. So, you know, go to inulifeglobal.org forward slash Red Wrap and you can get a bit more information. Uh, on that one, we'll be kicking off the event. The, the distribution event will most likely be uh, mid-October. But of course, we have to do the drive prior to the event. And we're, we'll be servicing a larger facility this time. So we're definitely going to need your support. You know, you can always go to GoFundMe.com forward slash Red Wrap. And you can give an offering that way. 
or you know again we'll give you the PO box pretty soon and you can send in your feminine hygiene supplies but you know there'll be more information to come you know in that regards for for the red wrap also uh, we are still moving forward on the all whores go to heaven documentary so anyone who wants to contribute to that as well can go and thank you for those who have been contributing gofundme.com forward slash A-W-G-T-H A-W-G-T-H or whores go to heaven gofundme.com alright so we got a, a few things going on also I think I had shared last segment that if anyone is interested in possibly hosting an event or workshop uh, let me know <laughs> I see there's someone right there who's interested um, let me know and um, you know you can send any information to bookings at osirislife.com for events bookings at osirislife.com some of you have been tapping into my um, social media accounts for that that's not the that's not the way to get that happening okay I don't I don't personally handle my booking so when you send me a personal message it gets lost amongst many other other messages so the best way to get that process started is bookings at osirislife.com if you would like to try to schedule a private class workshop or event retreat whatever it is okay that's the way to do it and um, I should also add again that we are looking for more volunteers for the red wrap this year so if you're interested in volunteering physically volunteering coming to the locations which are in the New York City area usually between lower Manhattan and Brooklyn uh, please definitely let us know we definitely need more hands on deck all right and uh, as always you know for readings things like that askosiris.com all right so let's get back into it okay so we were speaking about how a paradigm shift actually occurs and you know really of course we're looking at what a paradigm is but in, in the shifting that actually occurs when one is able to change their 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 outlook or their perception on the world and I gave the example of you know you're driving and someone is driving slow in front of you and you're frustrated and you're annoyed and then you get close to them and find out that it's a person who's in distress so immediately hopefully your thought changes and, and maybe you go into a mode where you're you're seeking to help more. Well, one of the things that I had mentioned earlier in the segment was that, you know, this segment will be dealing with contracts and alliances and agreements that we make often unbeknownst to ourselves. So like the same thing with a paradigm, you can buy into a paradigm or invest in the paradigm based on your assumption of things or things that have been implied to you but you've never actually taken the time to study you've never actually applied any real critical thinking to what it is that you're hearing so you don't get an opportunity to even have a mind shift because there is no mental investment you never have a wake-up call about it because you've accepted sleeping pills you know wrapped in whatever information that you were given so when you have that paradigm shift there's an actual eye-opening um, event again it could be seeing someone in a certain way it could be seeing yourself in a certain way because ultimately it deals with how you're perceiving yourself and projecting your own self concept back out into the world so one of the things I wanted to look at in this regard and you know looking at this idea was you know how we 
how we look at power, how we create paradigm shifts. And, you know, I'm going to I'm going to explore this in a larger video, a longer video, um, probably before before the strong is out, you know, so with over the next seven days. So this is just kind of a taster. But, you know, really dealing with the idea of men and women coming together, men and women, not adult males, not adult boys. And not adult girls, men and women. You know, when we have these type of conversations, that the information is is meant for those who have matured into proper manhood and matured into proper womanhood. If you've not done that, then none of this will really apply to you as you might think it would. But you know, I was thinking about the idea of the renting of the veil, which, or the rending of the veil, which was what happened when uh, Yeshua, or, or who people often know as the Christ. Um, gave his final words and, and, you know, gave up the ghost, if, if you will, but uh, died during that, cru- that crucifixion that's written in um, the Bible book. And the rending of the veil and what that really represents and what that really means. And, and, and more importantly, the idea of how that's connected to power and even our self-perception, our self-concept is, connect, is connected to power, you know, depending on which direction we want to see things from. So the veil, right? I had spoken about this one some time ago and I spoke about the hijab. You know, the hijab is, is usually the, um, the, the headscarf, we'll say that you see Muslim wearing, Muslim women wearing. And a lot of times, as soon as you see that, you can kind of see, oh, you know, you it kind of identifies them in a certain way. Even though there's different forms of hijab, not not, not every hijab is, hijab is the same, but, you know, we won't get into the, the, different, the different ones. But either way, most of you know, when you see that hijab, the head is going to, at the very least, the head is going to be covered. Now the head may be covered and the neck may be covered, maybe a burqa also attached to that. And maybe the face may even be covered, you know, so it goes on and on and on. But um, ultimately, you see the head is covered. And a lot of times when people see that, they immediately think for some, they think oppression. For others, they think modesty, you know, and others, they think patriarchy, so forth and so on. Because, of course, it is a, you know, it's something, especially when you see the hijab, it, you kind of associate it with Islam and there's there's certain ideas about the Islamic identity that people have taken on, whether they be accurate or not, especially, you know, po- in a post 9-11 society. But the reality is, is that many women wear hijab. It's not it's not exclusive to Islam. In fact, if you go into the apostolic churches in America, you will see that the women wear their, their heads uh, covered and. Again, it's all about our paradigm shift when our perception shift. So, again, often when we look at that, we look at it for some that it's a form of of almost feminine um, suppression, suppressing of the goddess. We like to use that term a lot. It's it's not even a real term. Anybody who actually really studies anything doesn't even use that term. So, you know, as soon as I hear terms like, oh, the goddess, I already know who I'm talking to. You know, a lot of times it's your words and your phrases that reveal where you're really at. You know, no matter how big you puff yourself up to be. And I've studied this and I've studied that. I've studied that. Well, just speak a little bit. Just speak a little bit more and you'll tell me everything I need to know. So. And and, and I say that to say this God. It's God is masculine and feminine, not man and woman, but masculine and feminine. So as soon as you say God is, you actually take away 
from your own power. Because now you're creating an artificial deity. It's artificial because, you know, again, you're locked into a gender assignment when it goes beyond the land of duality. Your God typically will live beyond the land of duality. And anything that now is forced into a dualistic mode is is you could make it your God if you want. I mean, you can make anything your God. You can make a cup, a plastic cup in your your cupboard, your God, if you so chose to. But, um, you know, trying to rend the veil of ignorance, you know, we we have to go beyond the gender assignments when we get a little bit higher up. But anyway, let's get back to this, this concept of covering. So. The veiling of the face or, or the veiling of, of the head or the covering because hijab essentially means cover, but it also means veil. Right. So what's being veiled? Is it that we don't want you to see the woman? Some people think it's that, but it's not necessarily that. In most cases, for those who know, it's that the woman's energy is so powerful that it's not that she's being protected from the predatorial energy of the world. But the world is being protected from her energy. That's what the covering actually represents. Now, some would look at that as oppression, because, again, when you live in a sick society where anything that's done that's sacred is desecrated and we're told, well, you don't have to do that because you don't have to do anything. You, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You can do whatever you feel like. Well, that's what causes all of this chaos and confusion that we see in the world today. So the reality is. Even in many spiritual systems, the men wear their heads covered and the women wear their heads covered. Often the men wear a crown and the crown is a symbol of that man's power. And the women wear a veil and the veil is a symbol of that woman's power. You see, so the crown represents uh, power that comes through authority and the veil represents power that comes through spiritual divinity. You see, so one has spiritual authority one has spiritual divinity. They have they have spirit. They have the actual essence, like the Ark of the Covenant. You know, we'll get into that in, in, a, in that longer video that I'm going to do. But again, it's it's the idea that each one of us has a form of, of power that we're we're symbolizing and we're veiling at the same time. And when you allow people to enter beyond the veil who don't who should not be there, what happens is they actually desecrate. If you see if you can see your body as a temple, right, because it really is a temple like we spoke about in the last segment, the Temple of Solomon. And I said, really, when you understand it, the Temple of Solomon is you or Sol Amun, the hidden sun. Right. So what existed inside of the temple of, of Solomon when you got into the holiest of the holies, it was the Ark of the Covenant. And what was the Ark of the Covenant? It was your way that you could contract and connect directly with the spirit of God. Again, based on that, that spiritual paradigm that's being taught there. But there's a lot to learn if you if you're able to look at it beyond trying to find historical proof. But you're able to look at the metaphorical and metaphysical value of what's what is being taught. In, in some of these lessons. So that Ark of that Covenant or that direct connection to God is no different than when uh, our dear uh, and transitioned ancestor, Dr. Ben, Yosef Ben Yakimin said, heaven is between a black woman's legs. So speaking about, again, not only in that form, he's speaking about the archetype of the deity of Nut, but he's speaking about that ability to contact and connect directly with the spirit of God when you're able to go into the holiest of the holies, what is the holiest of the holies? When you're entering into that womb, into that, into that woman's space, 
okay you're now contacting and if you know anything about those ancient forms it was only priests who were allowed to go into the holiest of the holies so that means a righteous clean man can go into that space and if not then you're defiling the temple that's like allowing wild beasts and wild animals to run through a temple that you may build somewhere and spray graffiti and desecrate and have sex on a the altars and and defecate all over the altars which these things did happen in ancient Kemet you know but allowing them to do something like that they're defiling the temple so if you see yourself as a temple allowing yourself to be entered into by unclean enemy energy defiles it and the same thing as a man allowing yourself to enter into unclean energy defiles you when a man enters into a woman he deposits his karma into that woman he deposits his inequity into that woman. He deposits his his gifts and his fortune into that woman. Everything goes into that that woman. You see, so you want to go into a holy or a clean, you know, kept space, and you want to be a holy and a clean kept first person. And I'm not talking about religious piety when I say these words holy. I want you to understand that we're going beyond that. It has nothing at all really to do to do with religion at all. We're just speaking about how we align ourselves or misalign ourselves with natural paradigms and how we create covenants with one another, sometimes based on defilement or sometimes based on, you know, higher evolution and a desire to shift the paradigm into a place where there's greater understanding, where, the, where there's, there's greater growth. And sometimes we can we can commit pacts or we can align ourselves and ally ourselves with um, injurious or harmful energies because we're not aware of what our experiences are creating for us. The sexual act. When you lay on a bed, a bed is an altar. So what would you do at an altar? What would you do on an altar? Can it be defiled? Yes, you can defile an altar. Like I always say, that the vibration that you enter into your rituals with is the vibration that gets amplified. So what vibration are you entering into your sexual packs with? I'll get into this in a larger video, but I wanted to give you a little bit of a taster on this particular subject. Okay, I'm gonna cover my Q&A really quickly. A question came in recently in regards to um, some, some language that I used in one of my books, in particular, uh, one of the Aduras or the, the chants or what some may even call prayers and I noticed that there were for some of the things that I put in my books I don't translate the foreign languages well foreign to them into English and they were asking for the actual translations because they didn't want to say the prayers and not know what they were saying okay so to answer that and for anyone else who's who's had a similar question I do that purposely some things just like if you look at grasping the root of divine power I gave you uh, correlations for Orisha and the different astrological figures that they represent or they align themselves to and some of them I put in and some of them I didn't I did that on purpose why because I want you to do the research on your own I'm not gonna give you everything some things some things you have to go and find for yourself and I'm giving you templates and I'm giving you ways to find it but if you're looking for a cookie cutter 
kind of experience like do this, do that, do that, do that, do that. And that will happen. You'll never get it because in order to really be an enlightened person, in order for, in order for these things to work and your paradigm to shift, you have to go through a process of, a process of enlightenment. And what is enlightenment? When you have the living truth alive inside of you. And you can't get it when you're just following rote instructions because then it becomes dead truth. You'll have it. You'll have that truth, but you won't really have any type of understanding of it because it's not alive within you. OK, so the important thing there, again, with um, those type of questions, first of all, always speak to the student body. Never ask me directly ever. Don't ever do that. You know, especially if it's things that honestly you can find out in Google Translate, you can just look up yourself. Never waste my time with that. And I know that sounds very arrogant, but it's just because, you you know, this you may not be used to how a teacher is going to present and share things with you. But the way you learn is you learn as a collective corporate body. It's not just a personal relationship you create with a teacher. That's a very selfish thing. You know, you want to create community around learning. You know, so when you're struggling with something and you have a question, ask the learning community first. That's where you want to begin. But again, always you're going to have to go on your journey and I'm not going to give you shortcuts on your journey. I'm going to give you templates and help you with, with pointers and direction. But ultimately, some things I'm purposely going to leave out. Some questions you're going to ask, I'm purposely not going to answer. And it's not because I don't know the answer. I don't feel like answering it. It's because you have to go on the journey yourself. Some things you need to pull yourself. Everything can't be spoon fed or it becomes toxic and there's no paradigm shift okay so in wrap up right we're understanding that there they can be implied or assumed contracts sometimes that we make based on our acceptance of certain paradigms that we've maybe not applied critical thinking to we've not applied or as we say the due diligence or the research to and as a result sometimes we can find ourselves engaged and, and locked in a series of habits and a series of behaviors that we don't even desire to really have so what's important is that we always look to see the, the, the do it the dualistic aspects of of perception how we can see things like i said even when you look at a veil or you look at a hijab you may say those are oppressed women you may not realize that no those are women who really value their power and they don't want all defilement from outside to contact it or they don't want to unleash quote unquote the dragon onto the un, into the onto the world because that's that experience is supposed to be for a certain type of man a certain type of priest you know and a priest again is just someone you know in, in a spiritual priest in a spiritual form is someone who's enlightened in that sense so someone who's enlightened someone who has what who has created a contract in our, in our living relationship with the with the mystic with the mystical you know and priests are always looking to infuse the mystical into the mundane or into the world of men to always infuse a mystical understanding a mystical vibration you see so uh, one who has that particular power that particular ability is now able to go through the veil or go inside of, of the veil but when you allow other types of energies to go in there and defile it. Now what happens later, you find yourself in a position where you're saying, I can't seem to find a good man or they or I'm invisible to good men. They look they look over me because it's the same way if you pass by a temple yourself and you looked inside and it, and it smelled horrible and there were wild animals in there and it was filthy and there was feces and dead bodies and 
things like that would you want to go into that temple no you would go into where you could find a cleaner temple and most likely what you would do is you would have that temple knocked down this is why you see even in again your biblical law lore l-o-r-e you find so many instances of the temple of Solomon being constructed and then knocked down, constructed and knocked down, constructed and knocked down, because that's a that's a sign and a symbol that there was something that was defiled, you know. So one had to start over from their foundations, which is the only way you can really have that paradigm shift by going back to your perceptual frame and looking at what needs to be done over. All right, so we have reached number three, this Chief Yuya podcast, and I will that. You have been getting some valuable uh, information. I've already gotten some feedback from some of you that, you know, you've really been appreciative loving the information that's been coming forth. As always, please definitely leave iTunes reviews. Uh, And that same goes for the books that you guys buy, you know, Amazon, leave Amazon reviews. Make sure you have a copy of that 14 Keys audio books. It's in iTunes, too. You can leave an iTunes review there. But it's also on Amazon and Audible.com and, you know, all those different different places it's been distributed. And share these podcasts, you know, have people subscribe and share, 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 share. All right. This is Chief Yuya. You can go to ChiefYuya.com for more. Until such time. Peace.